0: Hey, I'd like to invite you back to your seats. We're going to get started now. Sorry to break up. Good conversation. Welcome to Providence Road. We are glad that you're here with us this morning. My name is Jeremy. I am one of the pastors here at the church. And uh, if you're a guest with us, just once again, I want, to, I want to welcome you and say that we're honored that you choose to spend a, a Sunday morning worshiping with us. Okay, so we're going to continue on in this little two-week series we're doing over gratitude and really Thanksgiving. And we're, um, this is part two. Last week, Burke did a great job kind of opening this series, talking about um, gratitude and Thanksgiving, and we're continuing that topic today. And we are doing that because, obviously, next week is Thanksgiving. And as a church, um, we, um, we've definitely preached on gratitude and Thanksgiving in the past, but we haven't um, the week before Thanksgiving, unless my memory fails me, um, that uh, we haven't done it the week before Thanksgiving. So we thought, well, let's just do this two-week series to prepare us for Advent, to get us in the right mindset, and prepare us for Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving um, kind of gets left out a little bit in, in the holiday season, right? It's, it's kind of come down to uh, food and football and Black Friday, or Black Thursday, or Black Thursday at 5 p.m., like whatever, like however early they want to keep moving it this year. But But I think Thanksgiving becomes this kind of one-time thing, this day, and then we quickly move into Christmas, which is, which is fine because most of us love Christmas, right? But I want us just to be able to pause. Yeah, whew, there you go. Um, really love Christmas. Uh, but yeah, I just want us to, to make sure we, we stop and pause and recognize kind of what we're moving into here and really prepare us for not only Thanksgiving but for the Advent Season. So I'm going to read uh, one of the scripture passages we're going to be in today, uh, the primary one, and then I'm going to pray for us. So this is Colossians 3. We're going to read verse 12 through 17, and the verses will be on the screens. Um, and uh, verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. We do um, acknowledge that um, we are here for you, that we are here in response to your grace and your mercy and the things you've done in our lives. And we're thankful for that. And I pray now as we um, look at your word and and ask the question, what does thanksgiving and gratitude look like as far as the Bible would describe it? I pray that you would help us. You would help us understand your word. You would help us um, um, be able to put ourselves under your word and submit to your word and really listen and be willing to, to open our minds and our hearts to what you have to say to us this morning. And I pray as we move into the holiday season that you would, um, you would use this time of year to change us, to be more aware, and to, uh, and to work towards being a more thankful and gracious people. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There have been studies that are coming out um, recently, and more and more studies are being done by journals of psychology that show how beneficial gratitude is to us how beneficial being thankful is to, to just the human being. Um, study after study shows these things. One study in particular that was re- released two years ago outlines five things that gratitude can help a person with. This, here's the five. Uh, number one, gratitude can improve our relationships. Gratitude can improve productivity and performance. Gratitude can help us sleep better. Gratitude can help our heart, like our cardiovascular system, be healthier in that way. And five, gratitude can help us cope with stress and boost our mental and emotional strength. Okay, so gratitude, and I don't, I don't think that's shocking to any of us, right? We lay that out, like, usually we know that if we're, if we're in a season and we're grateful and we're thankful, typically things are going better for us than they would be if we are anxious or depressed or in, in one of those states. Um, but I think that I want to drill down a little bit deeper and really ask the question, well, how is gratitude and thanksgiving different for the follower of Jesus, right? Because this is just a, for, for humans in general, gratitude is beneficial. But how is it different for us that call ourselves followers of Jesus? Uh, and I think it has to do with the intensity of the gratitude, the strength of the gratitude. And here's what I mean. Like I am, I am thankful that I have the means to go by a new t-shirt that I really really like. I truly am like thankful that I have the ability to do that. Usually when I need a new t-shirt, I'll go buy it. And I'm also thankful and, and I have gratitude for having a wife and a son who I dearly love. Now my my I'm gratitude I'm I'm, I'm thankful for both, but the strength of the second one far, far outweighs the strength of the first one. And so for followers of Jesus, we have, this, we have this worldview that says that every good gift we have, every single good gift we have comes from God, period. And we don't deserve it. We just happen to receive these gifts from God, and he deserves glory and honor and praise for that. And with that comes this, this measure of humility, right, because part of being thankful and, and, and having gratitude is admitting, like, I, I couldn't have this thing that I'm thankful for without something externally providing that for us. And if we believe in God, that we believe that God gives us everything. And by by being a thankful person, and as we walk this out, what we're in a sense saying, it's, it's strengthening this muscle of humility. It's saying continuously, I don't deserve this. I couldn't have this without you. God, I thank you for this. And so what this does, especially as we, rela- we come back to the gospel, the fact that um, when we were um, dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses, that God, yet he still loved us through Christ. So if you're in here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I, <clears throat> I, I'm not sure what you kind of do with the, the gratitude and thanksgiving piece. Obviously, it's helpful, but usually when we're thank- thanking someone, um, we have someone we're actually thanking, right? Like you, you're thanking the giver of whatever you've received. And so uh, the question I would have behind these studies is, is what, when we are being thankful, who are we addressing that to? Who are we addressing our gratitude towards if there isn't a God who's a gracious giver of all things, especially that in Jesus. And so here, here's my kind of thesis that I want to kind of drive at this morning, or my main idea is that I want to, as I've, prayed and, and, and thought through this this week, I, I think sometimes we think that thanksgiving or gratitude is an action. And it is an action. But I think that's all we think it is sometimes, is that, oh yeah, I need to be thankful for this, or I need to show some gratitude t- towards this. But I think it is, it is much bigger than that. It's actually a way of life. It's a way of being. It's a posture. It's, it's, it's a way that we can go through life. Obviously, actions are included within that. But I think gratitude is more than just being thankful for something here and now and then as we think about it. And the other thing about gratitude is it is actually formative. It forms us. It changes us. And we'll see that in some of the scriptures that we read here in a second, that by living out and walking out the practice of thanksgiving and doing some things in our life to kind of force us into that mindset, we actually are changed. I mentioned a minute ago, we are exercising the muscle of humility which is a necessity to believe in the gospel. It's a necessity to follow Jesus is to be a humble person and admit that we can't do anything apart from God and his spirit that lives within us. Okay, so I want to start Colossians 3 here, verse 15. And this is Paul um, at the end of this paragraph, his teaching in this letter to the church at Colossae. Paul's a leader in the early church. Um, wrote a lot of the New Testament. And Paul here, in these really, the whole chapter 3, these 17 verses, he is really unpacking what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He's basically showing us this is how the Christian life works. If you want me to give it to you in 17 verses, here's what it is. And this is what Paul's doing. And at the end of this teaching, these last three verses that we're going to look at, I want you to show, I want you, I want you to see how thanksgiving this idea of gratitude comes up three times in all three of these verses look at verse 15 and let the peace of christ rule in your hearts we all want that right like we all want the peace of christ to dwell in our hearts like that that is such a a comforting thing um, that i that we are asked to let dwell inside of us and then listen to this to which indeed you were called in one body and then he throws in and be thankful and I don't think he, he had to do that, right? Like, he didn't have to throw, and be thankful, but he says, hey, and be thankful, right? And, and it's actually a little different, too, it, that when it says, and let the peace of Christ dwell in us. He's basically saying it's a pa- more of a passive thing. Hey, letting something happen to you that's already happening. And this idea of be thankful, it's a little stronger. It's, like, it's an imperative. It's something he is telling us we're responsible for. Be thankful, Okay indirectly obviously that comes from the spirit but here he's saying be thankful verse 16 let the word of christ dwell in you richly the scripture dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and listen with thankfulness in your hearts to god now let the letting the word of christ dwell in us richly that's what we're doing here right like we're opening god's word and and i'm doing my best to proclaim it faithfully And we're praying that God, the Spirit, would use that to change us. That's what we do here. Second part of that, um, teaching and admonishing one another. That's what takes place in our missional communities. It's when we actually get to encourage and do that for one another in community. And then the third part of that, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And that's what a lot of this service, this thing we do on Sunday mornings, is built around. This verse. It's saying, hey, sing together. Sing hymns and songs and spiritual songs. There's something about raising our voices to God as a corporate body that um, is, is, is crucial to the Christian life, Paul saying. And he could have stopped there, though. He could have said, hey, do these things. That would have been a very natural place to stop. But he says, with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. So what I gather there is Paul is actually saying there's a way you can do these things, letting the word of Christ dwell in, in your teaching and admonishing one another, singing spiritual songs. There's a way you can do this without thanksgiving that's incorrect or that's not the way you should do it. But by saying do this with thanksgiving, he's saying there's, there's something about our posture when we do these things. There's something about the, our way of being and our tone and how we approach these things. And he's saying approach them with thanksgiving. Approach him with thanksgiving. And then lastly, verse 17, it says, And whatever you do, anything, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, which is another way to say glorify God, honor God, honor Jesus, appreciate him. And then he says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Once again, he didn't have to put giving thanks in there, but he did. He could have just, hey, glorify the Lord Jesus, honor him, giving praise. Then he also adds giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so what, I think what Paul is trying to say there is, as we are living a life that honors God, as we are attempting to glorify God, we should always be thanking him because he is the one that is enabling us through his spirit to actually live that kind of life. A life that honors and glorifies and lifts up the Father. So he, of course he says be thankful because without his power working in us, we couldn't do those things. So he's saying appreciate God, honor God, give thanks to God. And we were created for this, right? If we go back to Genesis 1 and 2, the beginning of the Bible, we see that Adam and Eve were created to, to, in, to have close relationship with God. It seems like day by day there was this consistent relationship that Adam and Eve had with God. And they were given this purpose or this command to be fruitful and multiply. Enjoy all of creation. I've made all of this. Now it's for you to enjoy and you to extend my kingdom to the ends of the earth. And that was... The command given to them in Genesis 1 and 2. And there was only one thing that they were prohibited from, from, from uh, touching or from um, enjoying. It was the, the, the fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That, that fruit there. Um, and so we're created for this, right? We're created to be thankful. We're created to be, be, be a grateful people. And we know it's beneficial for us. So, like, we can go home, right? Like, this is easy. That's a, that's a short sermon. Let's just go out and be thankful and gracious people and be grateful but how hard is that how how much do we struggle with this it's not easy and from my experience in my own life and and being a pastor we we aren't good at this we're good in spurts at being thankful people but having this posture of someone who is thankful and who is 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 filled with gratitude is difficult for us it's hard and it's hard because of genesis 3 that very next chapter, we see Satan, who we see in that, the, symbolized in the form of the serpent, comes to Adam and Eve and says, hey, you know what? I think God's holding out on you. He produces this discontent in them. You know, you, you, you're grateful for all, all of this, but what about that tree that he's telling you not to touch? I don't think you shouldn't be thankful for that, right? Like you could, you could be God. You could be like him, equal to him, if you had that. So what about this? So he taps into this shred, this tiny little place of discontent, and he aims it at that. And we, we could say there's other foundational things that have it has to do with our sin, but our sin and our rebellion and the brokenness of the world, a lot of it can be traced back to we're discontent. We, we look for joy and freedom and purpose and all of those things in some place other than God. We should be getting them from God and receiving those from God and being filled in those areas from God, but how often do we go to other things besides God to get those kind of things? We're not easily satisfied with the things of God. We constantly want to look for things outside of God to give us those things that we should be getting from God. And that is our issue. That is our problem. That's that's what we wrestle with every day and that is why thankfulness and and having this sense of of gratitude is really, really difficult. Paul, once again, in in a book to Romans chapter 1, he kind of talks through this idea of of where we've gone wrong. And he actually uses the word thankful in here. So he, again, he's driving home once again, even as it relates to our rebellion and sin and what's wrong with the world, goes back to this idea of being thankful. Listen to verse 21. For although they knew God, and he's talking about all all of creation, all people. Although they knew God, they did not honor him, that that idea of glorifying him again, as God, or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and foolish hearts and were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of their mortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so he's saying, you have two issues, Paul is saying here, with why the world is messed up and why we struggle so much living a life that honors God. One, um, that we didn't honor God. And two, we didn't thank him. That's, that's elevating thankfulness really, really high in Paul's mind. He's saying one of the key things that separates us from God and, and frustrates us to live the life that he's calling us to live is lack of thankfulness. It's a lack of gratitude. And gratitude was at the heart of the fall with Adam and Eve, and it continues to plague us today. And here is what I think, and I've already mentioned it, but the, I think the, the, the biggest enemy, the barrier to being a person of gratitude is discontentment. It's discontentment. The, the lack of contentment creates something inside of us that is, just chases anything in front of us to be content. Even if it's just for a split second, it cha- we chase that because we don't like to be discontent as human beings. We don't like it. We don't want it. And so we chase things when we find ourselves being discontent. And here's the deal. The world preys on this discontentment. Our culture aims right at this, and it tries to create us in a certain way, in a certain mold. Um, This Friday, this past Friday, we took our son Jax to see Frozen 2. Frozen 2. He's a big fan of Frozen. Um, I I mentioned in a sermon not long ago. Big fan of Frozen. So we took him to see Frozen 2. And we get in there a little bit early to the theater. We're sitting there, and um, I don't know if they always, maybe I'm just not early enough at movies, but you know, they have commercials now before the trailers in movie theaters. So we're sitting there, and we're watching these commercials, and there's a commercial that comes on for Walmart. And here's what's in that commercial. It's, it's two, uh, a mom and a dad, probably about the same age as Nicole and I, and they're in Walmart. And, and they are having the time of their lives in Walmart in the toy section of Walmart. No kids, no kids in this commercial. Mom and dad, like it's like they're out on the best date ever, the smiles on their faces, and they're just talking and they're filling this cart up with toys that little John, talking about how much little Johnny and little Susie's gonna love these gifts. And of course, the the camera kind of zooms in on these gifts. They all happen to be Disney related. Like, how did that happen? Well, probably because they're showing their commercial before Frozen, right? So they're all Disney, they're going in this basket and they're just having the time of their lives and seem so joyful. Um, again, no kids in this commercial. But in the audience, it's mostly kids. Kids outnumber adults. So they're doing something here, right? Like we get it. Like they're, they're trying to market, right? To, to, to the audience that they have. But what I want us to see is it's so, so much more, so much deeper than this. They're tapping into our wants and our desires. What we want and, and really in what we're fear of, of not having. So as Nicole and I are sitting there, and, and I'm um, thinking, to it, thinking of it as well, is obviously they're trying to get these kids to sit, turn, and ask their parents if they can have that thing, right? And, oh, you know, it's also Christmas time. Wonderful, too. Like, what other time of the year that you want to see this commercial? It's Christmas time. And so they're, they're – what, but what I start thinking of is, you know, one of, the, one of my greatest desires as a dad is for um, – to, 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 that Jack's to have everything he needs, to, to Jack's, for Jack to be, to be joyful – for for Jack's not to feel like we're withholding anything from him, um, and and the flip side of that, my fear is that he that I would do something to cause him not to love me, or disappoint him in some way. And these are just foundational, deep, deep feelings that mothers and fathers have towards their kids. And this commercial is tapping into that because what I start thinking is, hmm, th- these people are having so much fun; it's bringing them so much joy to give their kids all of these things and I wonder if I'm missing out on something. I wonder if I don't get jacks these things. I wonder if he will love me less. I wonder if he'll turn out okay. And it's just a rabbit hole of uh, all of this stuff, all of these insecurities that I have of um, being a dad. Discontent, right? Insecurity. And Walmart there is like pressing that button, okay? Because they aren't they're in that store talking about, oh, this fit in the budget and do we have enough money? That's not in a commercial, right? It's like, let's just throw more into that basket and see how much we can fill. And so, so what advertising does, right, it, it, it show, tells us a story or promises us something that we want that will satisfy this need that 30 seconds ago we didn't even know that thing existed sometimes. But yet now we think it's the key to our happiness, People, they're, they're smart, right? And this, and this is kind of the standard mode of consumption, right? We think of material things, material possessions. But it's getting more and more complicated in this area, aiming at our discontentment, right? So with the internet and the rise of having small computers in our pockets, um, we are consuming more and more than we've ever been. So what these, these people are, are tapping into these things that, to cause us to do that. Entertainment, TV, um, music, Netflix, social media. Uh, it used to be only the things were the product. Now we are the product. Our attention, our desires, our life, we're consuming other people's lives through technology, whereas before we didn't do that other than they were Hollywood actors acting, but now we're consuming other people's lives even through social media. And there are people out there who are way smarter than you and I in this room that, are, that their whole job is to keep our attention keep our attention, make us want something or create fear in us that we're not going to have something that we actually want. There's digital media industries want to keep our attention, find new ways to make money of our basic need for like relationship and belonging and tapping into these deep desires. And they are people helping marketing companies that are tapping in now to the, the behavior psychology, um, a neuroscience to attract us and keep us. They want our attention, right? Like that's that's just marketing in these areas, and that's what marketers do. They market their product. Um, but what this, what the problem with it? They're not all consuming is bad. We're all consumers to some degree. But it's it's just being aware of when we're consuming. Why are we consuming? And what what's the place of discontentment that we're trying to answer with consuming this? And what the marketers are trying to aim at? Okay, and we have the phones in our pocket like this, this other than texting and talking on our phone, when we pull out this phone, we are being kind of pulled in by the phone company. Right. Apple or whatever with apps and all these things, they are trying to get our attention to captivate us so they can market things to us. Right. Other than texting and calling other people, that is pretty much when you do something else on your phone, um, that is part of um, that kind of digital capitalistic idea. And so here's what, here's where I'm going with this. I think having gratitude in God, being thankful is our best weapon towards this idea of discontentment. And the season we're about to walk into, um, this is the hardest time of year, right? To, to, I think, to deal with that discontentment in a lot of different areas. It's a great time of year, but it's also a hard time of year in those areas. So I think at a basic level, as followers of Jesus, um, I think, in, in, I think the, is, is requiring, it requires us to move our eyes from what we don't have to what we do have, right? Like, that's just general good wisdom. Hey, focus on what you do have. Focus on the blessings that you do have that come from God, and don't focus on the things that, um, that you don't have. Like, be content with what you have. Being able to say, this is enough. What I have is enough. Um, but really anyone can say this to some degree, Like right? You're thankful for your health. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to thank, you know, whoever for your health or for giving you a good job or whatever, but the follower of Jesus, our, 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 um, our gratitude comes from the truth that we were once dead in our sins. We lived apart from God, and, and only through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection can we be united to God and be fully satisfied in everything in him. As a follower of Jesus, that is what we should be most uh, thankful for, is the gospel. We've been made new. We've been made alive. We've been, we've been, we've been given an, an inheritance that lasts for all eternity. We've been um, brought secure into the loving arms of a father. That can, nothing can ever separate us from that. We've been called sons and daughters. These are the things that we let our minds dwell on to create this deep, deep sense of gratitude and thanksgiving which will then be the best weapon against discontentment. And we continue to do that. We are changed and become people who are uh, people of gratitude, people who are thankful, instead of just every once in a while being people who perform grateful actions. Now, I I love what Burke did last week with Matthew 20, um, the passage where, um, the, the, the workers are coming to the vineyard and, and they're, they're coming at different times and they all end up getting the same amount of, of wages at the end of the day. And he made a great point that oftentimes we, we see that, that passage and talk about who's deserving of what and we get into this, we focus on who's deserving versus undeserving. And the truth is we're all undeserving. We're all undeserving and we're not, we, we, don't, we don't deserve to be reconciled to God. We don't deserve the grace and mercy that God gives us, but yet he still gives us that. And so I think the, a very practical first step is to become people who are really good, at, how, really good at, at, at realizing what God has given to us. The basic things like breath and job and, 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 and family and those things, but even the deeper things like joy and the Holy Spirit and life and life in, a, in, a, in an abundant way and the ability to spend eternal life with the Father and to not have to be ashamed of when we do something wrong, that we have someone we can go to that will, that will take away our sin. Those things, we need to become experts in what we already have from God and not always run to the places that we are lacking. Okay? Go to God first and think through what he has given us. And so once again, I want, to, I want us to, to, to drive this home that uh, gratitude and thanksgiving is a way of life. It's a way of life, and it, and it leads to our formation. It changes us. It, it helps us become more mature. Okay? I want to give you two practical things before we um, move into the time of communion. First thing I think practically we can do from this um, is carve out more time to spend alone. Time alone, prayer, reflection. Okay? We can't. I, I have such a tough time shutting off the, 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 my, my discontent and my, my anxiety And the the, the want to be busy and fill my schedule with everything and just the noise. It's just like I can't cut through that stuff to really dwell on why I should be thankful. I can't. I'm guessing most of you can't either. So you have to create some margin. You have to create some space in your life where you can move move the distraction out of the way just for a little bit even to dwell on the gospel and dwell on God's grace. Dwell how he's been so good and gracious to us. So we have to create time and space because what discontentment leads to are things like anxiety and depression and unhealthy comparison and fear and distraction and lack of being present with, with your loved ones. It leads to all of those things, being discontent because we're going to find something to make us content in that moment because we don't like being the feeling of being discontent. Okay? And then the other thing that this space will, will help us is to be able to stop and be aware of, of why am I discontent right now? Why do I have this restlessness inside? what's what is it inside of me that wants me to go after these things and consume all this stuff and automatically like check my phone every like time I stop at a stoplight? I mean I'm like, phone, where? Like, you know, it's like you're you're in a line that takes like three minutes and you're like, oh, I might as well put out my phone. And like like we're just we're becoming programmed to do that. So why what's behind that, right? Like what's behind that? Why what part of the discontented thing causes us to do that? And one of the things that I'm trying to do in my own life is is be the type of person that I tend to be the type of person who always can kind of see what needs to be better, right? Hey, this could be better. Uh, we could be doing more. We could be doing this a little differently. And I think our country like uh, lifts that up, lifts that quality up. We're We have a a country full of people who who kind of live like that. What's next? What's next? How can I fill my time? I need to move. I need to accomplish. Whatever. And that is the opposite of creating time and space just to be quiet, just to be content. Um, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I love this passage as it relates to time. This is Paul connecting thankfulness to anxiety in, in the midst of prayer. But listen to this. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think it's interesting there that he connects thankfulness with prayer. Because I, I think it's hard for us to actually be in a state of thankfulness if we're really not in that position of prayer. The, the neediness from God, the stopping and reflecting on God and conversing with God, hearing from God. That's the best place to cultivate this idea of thanksgiving. And just think of this, when you're thinking of something negative or you're struggling or you're anxious, like you can't be thankful and be anxious at the same time. Like in the same split second of thought, you can't, those two things are opposite. Like when you're thankful and you're content, it expels all of those negative things. This is why it's such a powerful weapon. You just think, uh, uh, we don't have time, but I I wish we could just take five or 10 minutes just to give you the exercise of, just think of that thing that is causing you grief right now. And then now quickly come in and be thankful for that all God has given you in Jesus Christ. That thing will leave for at least a split second, right? While you're thinking about the gospel and thinking about Jesus. But the moment you stop thinking about God and everything he's given you, that stuff's going to come rush back in. So this is why we need to take, create space and time to train ourselves to be more thankful. Next thing. So create some time, space for prayer. Number two, um, expressing your gratitude to others. And this is an easy one to do this week, right? You're gonna you're gonna be around people maybe that you're not um, around usually, family, friends, and um, conversations probably gonna turn maybe politics, maybe you get you fight, really awkward conversations. You never know what old person's gonna talk about this year. You know, um, I'll just let all of you guys think of that person. Now we'll repent, okay? Um, and. And, um, or, or mindlessly talk about football, right? Football is the great escape on Thanksgiving to get us out of any awkward conversation because it's right there, right? Um, but instead of doing those things, what if we were the initiators of, of telling someone how much we appreciate them? Hey, I'm really thankful for you. I know we don't get to see each other very often, but I'm really thankful for you. And I'm, I, I love that we've gotten to do this today. Or just thankfulness in general. Hey, this is what I'm thankful for. And be the the instigator, the initiator, and kind of turning that whole family event or environment into one that's a little bit deeper and a little bit more meaningful. Tell stories about the past that you're thankful for. And this isn't just a Thanksgiving thing, but obviously it's in four days, so it's, it's a good time to practice. But I think in general, we just can become people who are appreciative of other people and actually telling them this. I'm thankful for you. I'm appreciative of you. I'm glad that God has put you in my life. And when you're doing that, again, great weapon against being discontent. So how, how many of us are discontent when we're really praising someone else? That's really hard to be discontent when you are doing that. Expressing gratitude, being grateful. And we're going to move into a time of communion here in a second, but I'm going to pray, and then we're going to move into a time of communion. And, and that's kind of the third piece to the application. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. And as we move into a time of communion now, um, I pray you help us practice this. We're creating space here. We're creating some time to reflect and to dwell on you and your goodness and your grace and your mercy. So as we move into a time of communion now, I pray that um, you would help us. Help us focus. Help us be self-aware. Help us um, if if we're finding ourselves being discontent in areas right now. I pray that you would help us just set that aside for just a few minutes to be able to focus on your grace and your goodness that you give us in all of our lives. And we thank you for your word. Thank you that we can open your word and, and talk about something like Thanksgiving. And it's it's more than just, hey, just, just be thankful um, because your life is good right now. Obviously, that's important, but there's just so much depth to this idea of gratitude and thanksgiving in your word. So I, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful that you've chosen to reveal yourself to us relationally in your word. And that we can can look to you in in, in matters um, like thanksgiving and like gratitude. And now as we move into this time of communion, I pray um, you would help us once again focus. And that your spirit would be present in this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.